0: But I also fully, fully believe that if anybody sets their mind to something and they put the hours in, they're going to get the re- they're going to get the outcome that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I was 42 years old when I broke that record.
1: Welcome to the Run the Rays podcast, where we're talking about fitness and faith. You know, we all need motivation, you know, whether it's to lose weight or get stronger physically or get closer to God as we all seek purpose in life. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, hoping to inspire you to run the race of life in more ways than one as we sit down with fascinating guests, digging deeper into the mind, body, and soul. Let's do this. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for the sixth episode of the Run the Race podcast. We've been at this for a month and a half now, hard to believe, and things are going great. We've had some wonderful guests on so far. We appreciate you uh, choosing this. Uh, We know you have a lot of choices, whether it be on uh, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or perhaps Apple Podcasts. And uh, If you get on there on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I'd love for you to leave a a five-star review. I want to read you one now that someone wrote recently. Uh, Run, Laugh, Eat, Repeat wrote, if you're looking for inspiration, motivation, and a few laughs, this is the podcast for you. Listening to Jason is like talking with a good friend, comforting, and enjoyable. I'm excited for the next episode. Thank you so much, Run, Laugh, Eat, Repeat. And if you want a shout out, you can do the same. Go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and write a review right there at the bottom of the episode page. Well, today... I've got an exciting guest I'm going to tell you about in just a little bit speaking of kind of chasing on big dreams and endurance we're talking about chasing after the impossible and um, or maybe what for you what you think is impossible In Philippians 4:13 it says I can do all things through him who strengthened me uh, when we have God on our side Anything is possible. Uh, things that we we never thought we could do, things that we don't have the strength to do, but God does. In Luke one thirty seven, it says, "For nothing will be impossible with God." And that is so true. Uh, if we have God on our side, and you can really do anything that you dream. As long as, along with having God on your side, as long as you put in that work, all that preparation that's needed for that amazing goal, whether it be something fitness related, something maybe faith related, or something with your job, and you need to have that refusal to quit. Our guest for this podcast is Kina Yutz. Speaking of the the big challenges, he's an ultra marathon runner who now coaches others all over the United States. She's based in Georgia. Uh, she's talking about being the daughter of a minister and also how she got into running later in life, almost 40 years old. And the just the, the idea of endurance, how she was able to endure for some crazy events like uh, several 100 milers and even over the course of three days running more than 250 miles. She'll talk about those experiences and how she was able to to get through it. Um, You know, a lot of folks uh, watching, you know, Netflix, maybe while they run, or uh, Disney Plus now, all kinds of things. I wanted to recommend to you a documentary that deals with endurance, and it's a film really about persistence that I watched recently that I highly recommend to you. It's a documentary called REI Presents How to Run 100 Miles, REI's Recreational Equipment Incorporated, which got behind this project. You ever wonder why a perfectly sane person would try to run 100 miles all at once? Me too. It wasn't my idea, though. It was my friend Jason's. Maybe something you never thought you'd want to do, or would never want to do. I don't want to run at all, one mile. But uh, these guys—it's just—it's—it's a, it's a cool story about two guys, a, a guy and his friend, attempting to run the Run Rabbit Run 100 in Colorado, which is almost 103 mile ultramarathon. With a a lot of elevation, about 20,000 feet of it. And it's just talking about just uh, kind of going after things that seem impossible to you. There's actually more than 2,100 of those ultra races uh, in 2018. That's nearly quadruple from a decade ago, according to Ultra Running Magazine. So it's definitely growing in popularity. A lot of people doing, um, you know, Spartan races, obstacle races, those kind of things. Uh, It's something that, um, you know, they're trying to go after things that, uh, again, may seem like it's outlandish or not possible for them, but they put in the work and the endurance, and they do it. So the accomplishment in itself is just a show of faith. The name of this podcast is Run the Race. Uh, and that comes in part from Hebrews 12.1, which says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so that's just about uh, having that eternal perspective, the enduring faith, looking ahead, and having the perseverance to to go for that race, go after God, go after that goal that you have, whatever it is. For me, uh, I've run now uh, 11 marathons, uh, 12 marathons, in fact, now, and I didn't even think I could run one about five or six years ago when I started running. I, you know, Running three miles was plenty for me. So, um, And who knows what I'll do in the future. I'm not sure if I'll do a 100-miler, but who knows. Maybe you'll hear from this guest right now, And she will motivate you and inspire you to do something just like that. So let's hear now from our podcast interview with Kina Yutz. And I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Kina Yutz. And uh, you are the owner of Project 42 Running, online coaching for runners all around the nation and uh, a daughter of a Methodist minister started running when you were just shy of 40 years old. Have run a lot of endurance races, including the Hoti 100 uh, three times. And the uh, um, mom of 14-year-old son George. Thank you again for so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, what we start with is a fast four, kind of some rapid-fire questions, real quick things. Uh, first question is, uh, what is your job description uh, at home and also at work at your job?
0: Um, I feel like they're pretty similar at work. I'm a running coach. Um, I'm an event coordinator um, and a motivator. And at home, I'm definitely an event coordinator. I'm a motivator and mom, full-time mom.
1: <laughs> what do you do on a daily or weekly basis to stay physically fit?
0: Oh, I run every day. Um, ideally, I go to the gym. That doesn't always happen. But I do my best to do my strength training and um, mostly run. Okay. Yeah.
1: Do you have a spiritual motto or a motivational motto that you live by on a, on a daily basis?
0: Gratitude and everything. Okay. That's that's usually what I carry with me.
1: Absolutely. And what is one unique thing about you? Maybe that uh, folks that know you don't even know.
0: Oh, I paint and I'm a photographer.
1: Okay. What do you What do you enjoy about those things?
0: Um, just well, painting is sort of a hobby more than anything, and just the time I get to use quietly to focus and do something creative. I like the creative process. And then um, photography, I just love seeing the world as I'm in it. So I do a lot of my photographs as I'm running or traveling.
1: Well, tell me about, you know, um, cause a lot of folks maybe that listen to this, um, maybe uh, have thought about starting running. Um, they could be, you know, in their twenties or it could be in their sixties. Uh, I can, you can start at any age, but tell me about what kind of spurred you to start uh, at age 39.
0: So I was a smoker for most of my life and I'm um, not the smartest thing in the world. And then I you know discovered I was pregnant and I stopped smoking immediately and about two weeks after George was born, for whatever reason, I picked up the habit again. And so I wanted to—I wanted to be a parent who didn't smoke. I wanted George to, you know, have a mom when he was in his forties. So I quit smoking and I started running, just because I needed something to do to kind of fill that that void of the habit that I once held. So that's why I started running.
1: This is a more healthy habit than mm-hmm. uh, smoking. Sometimes.
0: Yeah, and I needed something <laughs> to take up some time because smoking is an activity you know, when you don't have anything else to do, you would pick up your pack of cigarettes and you would smoke. So I replaced that with running or, you know, exercise.
1: Absolutely. Um, and you know, you as, as a coach, well, tell me about what you do as owner of Project 42. You said this has been around for about three years now. Um, what made you want to start it? And is this something that you, um, felt like has grown over the last few years?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, well, I love running obviously. And I had, I've had a pretty, reasonably good career and I've had a lot of people ask me if I would help them with their training plans and so I sort of fell into it and then I just thought you know I want to be in the industry I would like to do something to help others and this is a good way to do both of those things and I needed a career as well I can't just I couldn't do all the things I couldn't work mom and also coach on the side I needed to make a decision. So yeah. that's how I landed there.
1: And you and I met uh, years ago at a, a local uh, shoe, a local running store. Um, and uh, is that something that you feel like, you know, you were able to meet a lot of folks and, and really kind of, uh, you know, kind of see runners from all facets of life?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. There, I've been in the running industry prior to starting project 42 running um, nine or 10 years. I worked for big peach running company in Atlanta and then big dog running company here in Columbus. And you know, that is a really great, great way to experience running because you do see it through so many different types of people and so many different goals and paths.
1: Yeah. And speaking of goals and paths, you know, um, a lot of folks, maybe they, st- they start running and they may- might do something like couch to 5K or some kind of small training plan to try to get to a 5K. Um, what what do you think is the importance, you know, as somebody that's been experienced in this business, um, in this industry? What is what is the importance of long-term planning and kind of taking it slow? Because some people think you know I can go straight to the marathon or go straight to this or that. Um, you know, do you tell people that listen? You need to kind of work your way up to that, pay your dues, sort of.
0: Yes, I do. I absolutely do. I'm not a big fan of the checklist. I don't think you should do like 5K, 10K, and then automatically move to like the half marathon and marathon necessarily. But I do think if you have a goal, you need to approach it in steps. So if you're going to run a marathon, I feel like you've had to run your share a 5k's first to understand what it feels like to race and to be uncomfortable for a short period of time. And also you don't want to end up injured. And that happens a lot. If you're not careful, you have to progress slowly so that your body can adapt.
1: So for you, why, um, you know, I know you, that's, we talked about how you started running, but tell me about why it's become such a passion for you because some people, you know, I guess maybe the majority of people don't like running perhaps because it it hurts and it's hard to do at times, but, but there's, you know, a, a share of us that obviously love it.
0: I really love running. I guess, ultimately, in the beginning, it was because I didn't know that I could do it. So to discover that I could do something that was really hard made me feel, you know, empowered. I really enjoyed that part of it. And then after that, I just, I really wanted to know, like, what could I endure? How far could I go? And that sort of kept me motivated for a while. I don't know. Other than that, I just, I just like doing it. So (laughs) I just like doing it. Yeah, Um, absolutely.
1: It's part of your life now. It obviously, is. it's kind of your lifestyle. It is, yeah. And um, growing up, um, you, know, you I guess you weren't a runner like you were saying. Your dad was a Methodist minister. Tell me about that growing up because I know my wife is a PK as well, preacher's kid. Uh, is that something that, uh, you know, because there's always stereotypes about the PKs, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't fit any of them, but there are definitely stereotypes. I felt like the parsonage and the Methodist church, you know, you live, you're, you're reappointed to different places and you're assigned a home as well. And I always felt like the parsonage was sort of a giant fishbowl, so you always had to mind your P's and Q's. Um, but the good, the good parts about it were moving a lot and meeting lots of new people and learning how to handle myself in different situations with different, different environments and things like that. Um, it, it was demanding in the sense that I had to always be the best that I could be to help represent my dad and my family and what we were taught, but it was, I don't know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot from it, I guess.
1: Now, uh, growing up, you uh, grew up in different parts of South Carolina, That's now right. you're just just south of there here in Georgia, and uh, this is considered because the Bible Belt. Tell me uh, why do you think it's important to, for faith to be a part of a culture like here down south and, uh, and, and maybe in terms of how you try to seek that out?
0: I know for me, like I just can't imagine doing anything without that like even even running, you know if you're running a long race, I often say that it's a meditative process. you know I just I don't understand the absence of that. Yeah. If that makes any sense.
1: Absolutely. Do you think that uh, faith and fitness kind of uh, cross paths a lot and for you and maybe for so many other people? I do,
0: especially later in life. You know, you have people who are um, like me, for example. I started later in life and I started because I was trying to make a change to my life that was healthier and better. And those things kind of go hand in hand, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, and do you, you know, when you coach, you know, is it, I know, obviously there's the physical aspect of it, uh, trying to endure for 26 miles or beyond or less than that. But is the the mental aspect, is that part of the coaching as well? And and getting kind of, or maybe that's more important perhaps. I think it's
0: more important. I think it's the most important part of it. Honestly, Um, I'm a big advocate for sports psychology and, you know, visualization and finding your, your center before you go do anything big. Um, I think that's huge.
1: So is that you getting to know your clients in terms of the the mental, how do you, how do you do that in terms of, because physically it can be not easy, but you kind of say, here's what you need to do, Mm -hmm. go out and do it.
0: I just talk to people. I just hear them. I hear what they're saying. I try to listen really closely to what people are saying. And then I try to work with that and understand them, um, from the inside out a little bit. You know, I have some people that are really bold and, you know, um, not scared of anything and they're ready to just go for it. And then I have some people that are a little bit more timid and they don't realize what their capabilities are. So I try to work with all the things in the best way that I can.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, you have a lot of experience we were talking about earlier with some of these uh, really long races. Um, I've got, I've not gone over 27 miles. So maybe one day I'll get to do one of these 100 mile races, but you've done, um, well, first of all, You, uh, I think you told me for a time, you held the women's record for running 254 miles in 72 hours. That's right. So tell me about what that was like and why in the world would you want to go out and run for three straight days?
0: (laughs) So um, early in my running, I read an article about a very prestigious race in New York called the Sri Chinmoy 3,100 mile race. And I remember reading it and thinking, this seems interesting. I wonder if I could ever do anything like that. And I already kind of knew I had a propensity for distance. So I... I started thinking about it. Anyway, in this article, um, one of the women who has done it many times, she was quoted and she said, I'm going to paraphrase badly, but she said, um, you know, whenever you run with your mind, your mind starts dissecting things and you're like, whoa, 60 miles, which is what they had to do daily. She's like, whoa, that's a lot of miles. I don't think I can do it. But if you run with your heart, then anything's possible. So that drew me to multi-days and that very day I registered for a seventy two hour race, and they gave you like three options. they said you could register for twenty four hours starting on new year's Eve or forty eight hours or seventy two and I made all three of my choices the same race. I knew I wanted to run and try seventy two hours so I did it, and then I did it for a few years and um, as I did it, I realized I went to my first one thinking I just don't want to be last, and I won for the women, and I was really surprised by that so I thought maybe I could break the record, and I knew the record was 251 miles, so I kept training with the thought in mind, 252, if I can just break 252. and So that particular year I did. Um, Not for very long. My friend Charlotte did it shortly thereafter um but she she I think she did like 258 something like that but wow. for for a minute I held that that was pretty cool
1: <laughs> for a minute so yeah so how do you in terms of training for something like that I mean had you ever done anything beyond a marathon before that and, and do you just kind of t- create your own training plan or talk to those who have, have done it before
0: so i had the benefit of um a really good friend of mine Janice Anderson uh recognizing me and saying "Kina I think you could run 100 miles you know if you if you will let me i'll write a plan for you" if you'll let me get you ready for this race. And so um, on my way to this 100-mile race that she picked for me, I ran a 24-hour race to see if I could, you know, what I needed to work on, what I could do in 24 hours. And I ended up running 104 miles, and I placed, and I thought, huh. So before the 72-hour race, I had run a few longer distances, probably a 24-hour races, something like that. But um, I don't know. I just I had the luxury of somebody seeing something in me and helping me work towards that goal, which sort of led me into the rest of it.
1: So when you're out there, um, you know, for those maybe who have never done uh, a race that's 100 miles or beyond that, um, what is your mindset? Um, I mean, is it a lot of pain mentally and physically that you go through and that you just have to endure during that 24 hours?
0: Yes. Well, I mean, some of them have been really nice. Like my 100-mile PR was a glorious day. Everything felt wonderful. I had no problems running from beginning to end. I definitely got tired, but it wasn't. There were no aches and pains, none of the usual stuff um, other than just like general fatigue and not not wanting to do it anymore at some point. <laughs> but um, some races have been hard and I've really struggled with the distance. I do find that those are the races I'm the most proud of. They may not be my best performances, but those are the ones where I've felt the most accomplished because I didn't, I didn't give up even when it was hard. Um, and I like to think of ultras as kind of like a game you have to figure out what to do next, you know, um, your leg hurts. So how do you adjust to make that not hurt so you can continue? Yeah.
1: And then mentally, like you said, you know, a lot of people, whether it be running or working out or something else, a big challenge for them, you know, they may come to a point where it's a wall or something where they're thinking, I'm mentally fatigued. My, my mind might be saying, let's just stop. I'd like to just kind of lay down and in a fetal position. So how do you overcome that? Because I'm sure that's a, a process throughout a, an event like that.
0: It is for sure. Well, first of all, I don't always overcome that. I try to, I try. Um, But I I remember once someone told me that she would look at everything with gratitude and she would say when, you know, she was running her first six-day race and she saw this traffic. And instead of saying, I'm so miserable, I'm so tired, I feel terrible, she'd look at these cars, all this traffic on the road beside her. And she said, you know, look at those guys. They they have to go to work. I get to be outside in this beautiful weather all day running and doing what I love. So I try to adopt that for myself and just – Think about the good parts of it, and that definitely shifts your thinking. Yeah. makes it easier to continue.
1: And you've done the Pinhoti uh, 100, you s- told me, three times. Three times
0: was? for that one. Mm-hmm. So is
1: that something uh, that's in Alabama? Tell me about that race and, 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 I'm sure, beautiful scenery there. Oh,
0: it's really pretty. That's a point-to-point run from Heflin to Sylacauga. Um, it's largely single-track trail running in the mountains, and um, it's a tough one. Beautiful, though. Beautiful. And you have 30 hours to complete it.
1: And we'll get back to the interview after this short break where we're telling you a way you could help those in need as we get closer to Christmas. Many kids in our area go without receiving a toy at this time of year.
0: In the spirit of the giving season, WTVM News Leader 9 is partnering with local businesses to host a toy drive for children in need in West Georgia and East Alabama.
1: You can help by donating a new unwrapped toy now through December 18th at Gill's Auto Sales. Headquarter Nissan, Ritz, Hollywood Connection, and WTVM. All toys collected will be given to local area children in need. Give a child in need a gift they will always remember. Donate Donate a toy toy today. today. You know, your job now is coaching other people, um, and obviously, you continue to run on on a regular basis. How do you balance all that? Your job, your uh, running for yourself, uh, being a mom is that something that's it's you have to kind of work at and juggling on a on a daily basis?
0: Sometimes. Sometimes it's a little tricky. Um, everybody has needs, and so sometimes it's not so bad if everything is evenly balanced. But sometimes when everybody needs something at once, it gets a little tricky. But um, it's not. It's not. It's only hard in that I want to do my best for everyone, and I don't want to. I don't want to neglect anything. That's the only time it gets to be really challenging for me.
1: Yeah. And about being a mom, you know, you have a teenager. Right. Uh, it's a busy job. I have two teens myself. Um, you know, how do you, is part of the reason you decided to do project 42 so you could spend time with him or tell me about that relationship and how that's uh, developed over your running career?
0: Yeah. So it's just George and I, and, um, when I was in retail, those are long days. It doesn't matter how you slice it. Like that's just, it's a long day. And I remember hiring a babysitter with the criteria that she could also tutor George and get his homework done after school, because I didn't want my few hours a day with my child to be, fussing about homework or doing something extra I wanted us to be able to enjoy it so when it finally occurred to me that this is what I should do the bonus was I got to do it from my kitchen table while George is working on math and we got to spend a lot more time together also you know there are other bonuses like we could I can ideally when I don't have programs that are local I can do this from anywhere that I want so we could travel a little bit you know go see the Grand Canyon or go, go to Vermont do things together that might be A little different life for some, but a good life for us. So
1: now is for for you running, is it something where um for you is very competitive or you do it for uh the fun and enjoyment or a little bit of both?
0: So I love training. I love training, I love being outside, I love running, I love the world, like I I like being out in it. Um, but I am also competitive. So I can go on a training day and just go out there and have fun and enjoy life. But when I um when I tie the line, if it is in something that is in my my wheelhouse I like to compete
1: yeah and that's something have you always been like that or yes. is it maybe, as a runner or even before that
0: even in rummy <laughs> or Skippo <laughs> with my sister I could be a little bit competitive um, but I don't think it's a requirement of all of us and there's some things I'm not competitive in at all this just happens to be what I do
1: so and with your clients with Project 42 um, do you find that it's a mix of some people that are very competitive? I want to be first, I want to qualify for this or some that are just saying, I, I would just like to finish.
0: Yeah, it's both. And I, my, I feel like my job is to help you reach your goals no matter what it is. So if your goal is to run like three miles, three days a week and just have somebody hold you accountable and, you know, be able to finish a 5k, that's what I'm going to do with you. If your goal is to try and win something or do really well, I'm going to do that. So, um, I try to just focus on the individual.
1: So what do you enjoy most about coaching? Um, because I know it's something is a passion for you and now you get to do it as a job. So what, what do you enjoy most about it?
0: It's, it's hands down seeing people do something they didn't think they could do or seeing the joy when they accomplish something that was a dream. Any of those, right. any of those fit. Like I love seeing people get to fill up a little bit because they did something cool and awesome.
1: Do you also encourage and talk about um, kind of being uh, well-rounded in terms of strength training, um, circuit training, uh, different things with flexibility? Tell me about that, uh, the things besides the running part of it.
0: Well, I can't coach anything but running. That's that's really all I'm qualified to do. But I always tell people, you've got to get out there. You've got to go to the gym. You've got to do your, your core work. You have to do all the things that go with running because it is not just go out and run. If if you do that long enough, that's going to you're going to pay for that. You're going to have some injury or some imbalance somewhere that's going to cause a problem. So I'm a big advocate for that, also balancing nutrition, making sure you know you're doing the right things so that you can get what you want out of out of my program.
1: Does, does age make a difference at all in terms of like for me, I started um, when I was in my late 30s as well running, um, but does that play a role at all in terms of what someone can do or physically capable of doing?
0: So, I mean... Honestly. I yeah. <laughs> so, yes, it does, but it doesn't have to. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, there are age grade calculators that tell you, you know, if you do a 5K in 20 minutes and you're 45, you know, there, this is... This is where you stand with the groups of other people statistically. Um, there's that, you know. But I also fully, fully believe that if anybody sets their mind to something and they put the hours in, they're going to get the re- they're going to get the outcome that they're looking for. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was 42 years old when I broke that record. Uh, that's not a young kid doing it. And there, I raced kids that were in their 20s during that race. So I think it's just. I think it's true that you have to work a little bit harder when you're older. It doesn't come as naturally to you maybe. The recovery time is greater, but it doesn't mean you're limited in what you're able to accomplish.
1: So I forgot to ask you this earlier, Project 42 Runny, is that because of what you did at 42 or tell me about how the name came about? So many reasons. So
0: yeah, I was 42 years old when I broke that record. Um, And to me, that's important. And I like to share that with people because I want you to know it doesn't matter, you know, that you're older or younger. What matters is what you put into it. Um, also, I'm kind of a science fiction fan in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, if anybody's read it. The number 42 is The Answer to Everything in the Universe. Um, the question is unknown. And then the other reason is because there are 42 kilometers in a marathon. Wow. Okay. So, so it's a triple threat there. Yeah, exactly. Okay.
1: So do you get that question a lot? People are like, what is 42? All the
0: time, which is great because then I get to tell them. So tell the story. Yeah, Yeah, that's
1: right. Good. Um, so for people that maybe, you know, think, you know, I don't know if I need a coach because I just want to go out there and run or do a 5k or maybe eventually do a half marathon or something. So what would you encourage people? How, how do, how do you determine when you should get a coach and, you know, uh, what a coach is really for.
0: So I really think that, um, a coach should be hired when you are working towards something important. Um, even if you have a great deal of knowledge about what you're doing, it's always good to have a second set of eyes looking at something, um, making sure things that are being done in a way that is most beneficial. Um, it's also good to have for accountability. You know, like if you're, What's that saying? If you've been starting your training plan on Monday for the last six Mondays, maybe you should talk to someone, you know, because then it's nice to have somebody to answer to that's paying attention to what you're doing. Um, I think that's when you need a coach the most.
1: And uh, do a lot of people, and I think you have a training plan for this or or a program that you're starting soon, if you haven't already, um, a program to to be able to qualify for the Boston Marathon, which obviously there's different – Time qualifications based on your age and sex uh, as that's well. That's
0: right. That's right. Um, it just started. It's the Road to Boston program. And I had one runner even start the program. And she's my favorite example. She's a lot older. And she, she had never run three miles without walking in her life. And by the time we were done, she ran 13 miles without walking and since has covered 100, 100 kilometers in wow. her running. Yeah, it's a big deal. Wow.
1: So is, for, for folks that maybe are new to running or um, new to marathons, the Boston Marathon obviously is the, you know, the, the height of it. It is. So um, do, do you find a lot of people that say, hey, um, Kena, I, w- I would love to figure out a way to qualify for Boston, but I'm, you know, 30 minutes off on my time, something like that.
0: Um, I've helped a lot of people get there. Um, that ultimately ultimately boils down to, you know, a concentrated effort on the long running and, and going to the track. Not, not – all the time. But sometimes people get confused. And I think to run fast, you just have to run fast. And that's not exactly how it works. I tend to slow people down the long run, and then add speed to the to their week at different times. Um, and a little speed work goes a long way. But if you have a concentrated effort, if you like take some time once or twice a week and go do a quality workout, it makes a big difference in how fast you can run. So that's like, you know, doing 400, 800, 1200 ladder, fartlek, anything like that will help you help you become a faster runner.
1: And where do you, you know, talk to me a little bit about the motivation um, that that's the journeys that you've been on, but also you've seen others through their eyes, the motivation to dig deep and do things that maybe you never imagined you could. Uh, because maybe when you were in your um, you know 30s, you maybe thought, I mean, you didn't think about running 254 miles or a marathon or anything like that. And I'm sure you've seen clients that are the same way where they, you know, maybe never thought they would accomplish what they have now.
0: I guess for me, it's just that, that testing of myself and that part of me that I can find when I'm running long distances, that's silent. And it's just sort of, it's, it's mindfulness for me. That's what I look for. For some people, it just may be that they're more goal oriented. I can't answer that for anyone but myself. Right.
1: The, all the, the months leading up to a a big event or a big race Versus how you feel at the finish line? I mean, is that just a whole different spectrum of emotions or, or do you kind of, is it relief at the end or?
0: <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's relief. Sometimes I'm a little disappointed that it's over. I mean, I feel like if you've had a good training cycle, at least for me, like the training is so joyful. And by the time I get to the race, I'm done and I know I have to rest and recover. And that's not always the funnest. You know, I kind of want to keep going. Yeah. Like disappointment maybe or wishing I could continue yeah. for a little bit.
1: And, you know, part of running or uh, really working out anything, you know, related to fitness, if you really push yourself as hard as you can go, there's going to be some pain involved. Oh, yeah. So um, what do you, what would you tell people about? Like some people call it the pain cave or trying to figure out a way to, how do you kind of push through when things, maybe everything is hurting at the time, whether you're something at the gym or, or out there on a trail or running a long race?
0: Well, for me, it starts with acceptance. I don't feel good. This is hard. You know, and once I do that, then I can start addressing what's hard, what feels bad, and then um, I kind of, I kind of try to decide, you know, or remind myself of why I'm doing it in the first place, and that usually changes. Once you change your thinking, then physically you start to feel a little bit better, and then you can address the problems like, oh, my ankle's hurt, let me tape it up, or I've got shin splints, let me do something for that, whatever it is. But accepting it and kind of acknowledging what it is, and then reminding yourself why you're there.
1: And for you, because um, uh, like you said, you can only speak for yourself. For you, um, is it sometimes about okay? Why am I running? Uh, what what is this for? Um, it, maybe you're running for yourself, or maybe you're running for a cause, or something like that, and or running for with a friend, perhaps something like that. Is that is that the importance of the why you're doing that event or that race?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, that definitely factors in for sure. Um, I find that I'm more successful this sounds really selfish and I don't mean it to, but if I'm running for myself, I'm typically more successful than if I'm running for, you know, a trophy or if I'm running to try and prove something, if it's about me, I'm I'm better off. Yeah. Even if I'm doing it for other reasons, like a charity or something like that, it's still about me ultimately.
1: Yeah. And you were, um, had told me earlier, um, about, you know, for, for you, there's causes and, and fundraising that's important to you, that you, you've been a big part of that with uh, groups like House of Heroes. Tell me about, uh, you know, these causes and why they're so meaningful to you.
0: So um, when I moved here, I had already I already had a race in Columbus that I was directing called Operation Endurance, and I was raising money for my running club, which is Georgia Ultra Running and Trail Running Society. And also we were making a donation to something that was appropriate to our area. So that ended up being team, um, I'm so sorry, Wounded Warrior Project. Um, When I moved here, I met John Teeples, obviously, because we worked closely together. And John was a big advocate for House of Heroes. And so I changed and kind of started raising money for House of Heroes. And then after seeing the work they did, really, it was just an on-paper change. Like, oh, this seems like a good thing. It's local. I like it. I'm living here now. I should do something like that. But after seeing what they do for the community, that sort of changed my thinking altogether. Um, so,
1: and for those who are not uh, don't are familiar with House of Heroes, tell me tell us about what they do.
0: Um, House of Heroes does repairs for homes for veterans of public service. So if you if you have a leaky roof or something that you need and you aren't able to take care of, they'll come in and, and do it for you, um, which is a big deal. You yeah. know, little yeah. things like that are huge. Even just cleaning up your yard or not everyone can do that or has. Yeah.
1: Yeah. These are military veterans and or, or maybe they're widows and also public safety. That's
0: right. That's right. Uh,
1: obviously, they're one of the big beneficiaries of an event that went on for 10 years that I was a part of for a couple of years as a team. But you did this solo run across Georgia, That's right. which goes from Savannah to Columbus, uh, 262 miles, give or take. That's right. OK. <laughs> Tell me about. Um, so did you do this as a team? Did you do this? By yourself, several years?
0: I did it by myself. I did That was a solo run for me for three years. Um, well, two years, and then I took a break and helped John with it a little bit, and then I went back to it. So um, for three years, I've done it solo total.
1: So tell me about the solo. I mean, are you doing, is this uh, 50 miles a day or more than that?
0: Oh, I, I just usually keep running until I need a nap. And so it just depends. <laughs> the first day, it might be 80 to 90. The second day, it might be like 30 to 40, depending on how tired I made myself on day one. And then, you know, it just depends. Yeah. For me.
1: And, you know, people that are maybe listening to this podcast thinking, you know, well, Kina, how that that sounds crazy uh, to run 80 miles without stopping or maybe just bathroom stops here and there. But um, how do you how do you do something like that? I mean, what mentally and physically is that seems beyond uh, imagination for a lot of people?
0: Well, I train hard (laughs) (laughs) and I just enjoy it. I know that sounds really weird given given what it is, but I enjoy I enjoy knowing that I can do that.
1: With events like that, you know the, the uh, hundred miler or two fifty four or you know, run across Georgia, um, where you're doing you know thirty to eighty miles a day. Uh, do you um, you know do you try to get as much sleep as you can? Do you try to eat as much as you can? How does the nutrition and the rest part uh, play into those kind of events?
0: I definitely try to eat as much as I can. I like food, <laughs> um, but I try to sleep as little as possible. Um, I try to just, you know, get the cobwebs out of my brain and keep moving. Even if I'm really tired and I have to walk a lot, it's always a time saving. If you're sleeping, you're not moving at all. So I try to keep moving when I can.
1: Well, wow. are you tired though during, yes. during all this? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you just push through? Yes. Okay. And then what are you eating either before, because a lot of people you know heard about, hear about carving up, and during the race, because there has to be nutrition involved with, you can't just kind of be burning through all that and have nothing left.
0: Yeah, so carb loading is tricky. Um, I think everybody thinks that's eating a giant bowl of spaghetti or pasta or something, but really the way carb loading should work is that you're tapering, which means you're running less, but you're eating the same. So you, by default, you're getting more carbohydrates in your diet. Um the spaghetti doesn't hurt, but it doesn't have to work that way. Um, so I'm not, I don't typically carb load. I might have salmon and potatoes for dinner the night before something yeah. like that. Um, what I'm running, um, I eat a lot of calories and I do them in simple ways. Like, you know, I love oatmeal. I love instant grits. I love um, instant mashed potatoes, anything that's going to give me really quick sugar that feels like it sticks with me for a while. Um, and I am also a fan of In ultras, you have the luxury of being able to eat different types of food, and you need protein because you're going so much farther. So where in a marathon, you would be like simple carbs all the way through the race. In an ultra, you know, it's not uncommon for me to ask my crew to get me like a fish sandwich or, you know, a hamburger or something like that, just whatever I feel like I'm craving at the time.
1: Yeah. Do you uh maybe you're do you have friends perhaps non-running friends that are jealous that you Wakina know, well, can eat whatever she wants because she runs so much? First
0: of all, that's not true. <laughs> I wish that was true. That would okay. be awesome. Um, but no, so no, that's not that's not accurate.
1: <laughs> so you can't eat whatever you want. I cannot right. eat whatever I want. I wish I
0: could. You would think as much as I run that I would I would be like you know a size zero, but I am absolutely the opposite of that. So. Yeah.
1: You were talking about um, how when you're out there running or, or in, you know, maybe coaching as well, uh, you know, um, it's kind of like meditative and you get a chance. Like if you're running by yourself a lot training, do you get a chance a lot just to kind of be with yourself and, and think and pray or whatever you do when you're out there um, and uh, kind of have that solitude?
0: I do. I do. That's how, my favorite thing about it.
1: Yeah. Well, what what is exactly um, what does that do for you and what are, what are you doing while you're out there running by yourself?
0: I mean, it just depends. Sometimes I, I think what it does for me is it fills me up inside. That's my renewal every day, every chance I get to go run. Um, and then what I do is dependent on how I'm feeling that day. You know, I may go out and I may just listen to music and run along and enjoy the world around me and try to embrace things like the sun coming up or, you know, the people that I see. And then some days I may go out there and just blank everything out of my mind if I can, if I'm lucky enough. Yeah. And. Um, just kind of be still. So it just, it just depends on the day, yeah. but it definitely is something that fills me up every time.
1: And, uh, you know, for folks that are, maybe they're interested in running or they're just getting started and then they're trying to get motivated. Uh, what would you say to them in terms of, um, to reaching for goals that are, you know, maybe, you know, that they think they, you know, are, are beyond their, their, uh, self-imposed ceiling do you try to get people to kind of set goals that are higher? Yes. So what is the importance of that? And what would you say to folks?
0: Because you don't know what you can do until you try. Like I say that every time, I even said it today to a dear friend of mine who was going to go back into training with me. I said the same thing. She said, you know, I want to stick with this one goal, this one, she's doing a six hour race. She's like, I want to stick with six hours. I'm like, but you could do 12 or she wanted to do 30 miles in the six hours. I'm like, you could do 36. You know, you don't. You don't want to limit yourself. You know, I sometimes wonder if when I ran that 254 miles, if I could have done more, if I had looked at a different number when I was training. So I think you you have to try.
1: Yeah. All right. Thanks very much, Kina, very much. for for uh, having me. Yeah, we appreciate it. And we'll, uh, we'll see you out there on the trail.
0: All right. Very good.
1: Thank you, Kina. And we appreciate Kina coming in and joining us for this sixth podcast for Run the Race. And uh, really inspired me because uh, you know, I met her at a running store about uh, maybe four or five years ago, getting some of my first pairs of running shoes. And uh, now, you know, she's somebody who has done these amazing feats running across Georgia, 262 miles by herself three times. And she also told me um, off uh, the mic about uh, doing Rim to Rim at the Grand Canyon and being followed by donkeys. And so just some amazing adventures all around the world that she's gotten to experience. Now we turn to our final segments of the show, Food for Thought, Parting Gift, and a Prayer. And for uh, Food for Thought, we have some very interesting endurance-related news tidbits. (laughs) On the Healthline website, we found something about a new study that actually looked into the limits to human endurance. You know, if you exercise long enough—whether it be running, or biking, or swimming, or uh, maybe just lifting weights, anything—walking, uh, you know, eventually you're going to hit the the wall. The human body really uh, still allows you to work pretty hard and maybe rest later, but those events can be grueling. There's the Ironman Triathlon, which takes people, you know, anywhere between 11 to 15, 16 hours to complete. There's ultra marathons, which you heard Keena talk about, which uh, that ultra marathon is defined as anything over that 26.2 of a marathon. So a lot of these uh, 50 Ks, maybe, you know, 31, 32 miles. There was a director of the Montana Center for Work Physiology and Exercise Metabolism at the University of Montana, Brent Ruby. The doctor there, him and his colleagues found that athletes in an Ironman had a total energy expenditure of 9.4 times their resting metabolic rate. Now, for athletes in one of those 100-mile ultramarathons, it was 8.5 times their resting metabolic rate. Metabolic, if I can say it right. They suggest this limit is determined by the ability of the digestive system to break down food and absorb nutrients to fuel physical activity. Now, in a marathon, I might uh, you know, burn about, I'd say, 4,000 calories, let's say. If it's about 120 calories per mile times 26.2, you do the math. probably about 3,500 to 4,000 calories burned in a marathon. It's a lot. It's about at least two days worth for a a fairly large-sized person. Now, if athletes are burning 9,000 calories or more during one of these ultra-endurance races, there's no way they can eat enough food to keep up, but they can catch up after the race, according to these researchers. Turning now to a faith aspect of endurance, recently the Mission Command Training Program, uh, they had the Army expeditionary combat training center hosting a spiritual readiness breakfast in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas happened earlier this month. The commander there, Colonel Shane Morgan was the keynote speaker talking about his personal stories about how he came to value spiritual fitness as keys to becoming a balanced person saying that it's you know difficult to develop and measure that spiritual fitness, even more so than that physical training and nutrition. One of the attending soldiers says spiritual readiness helps morale And having that physical and spiritual training uh, really does help a lot. Spiritual readiness, spiritual training uh, might be, you know, reading your Bible every day, praying every day, uh, having that quiet time with God. Um, Anything that can get you where you are more in tune with the Holy Spirit and listening to God, not just talking to him all the time. And tonight's parting gift comes from the Bible, uh, talking about that endurance. Romans 5, 3 through 4 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So if we're willing to persevere, we will have a stronger character, and then we will have hope. We're all looking for hope in life, so what leads to that is the perseverance, the perseverance of our faith, of our bodies to be able to get through whatever task that he has for us. And as we do with every episode of the Run the Race podcast, we end with a prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for blessing us with another day as we continue to fight for the faith. And even if we experience any hardships or suffering or anything we go through and all the stress may be happening over the holiday season, God, that we look to you for, for strength, and comfort and knowing that better things are coming, greater things are yet to come, Lord God, as we know that you endure forever, Lord God, and help us to push forward and run the race. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much again for listening to this Run the Race podcast. Again, you can go to wtvm.com slash podcast that's wtvm.com slash podcast to listen to learn more or maybe listen to the past five episodes before this one and again thank you so much for listening wherever you find us on audio whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, um, TuneIn Radio, anywhere you find it Share it with your friends. Uh, Tell us about what you think and what you want to hear about with the hashtag RunTheRacePodcast as we continue this journey of fitness and faith together. Have a great week, everybody.